a regular read of the latest LGBT+, trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and we're here in Season 4 of Girl. As usual, I'm here with the delicious Jim Bunny Glenn. How are you doing, Hello, hello. Oh. Hi, I'm... Hello. You're straight in there, aren't you? You're excited to be here. (laughs) Well, it's like the first proper interview since I missed the last two episodes and then was there for the last one that we've just done. But that was just us chatting. <laughs> just talking oh, shit, really. So, yeah. Uh, so, no. But then, but, yeah, but now we're missing Stu. Like, this is worse than trying to get the Frock Destroyers in one room or at one gig. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are here with some very special guests. Now, some of you that may have been sleeping under a rock for a couple of months uh, might not have known that we recently had the final of the MX Drag Great Britain 2023, Mr. Gay Great Britain 2023, and Mr. Gay Europe 2023 competitions at Anik Gardens. Now, we recorded some interviews on the day, but sadly, we weren't able to use them. What we've got today is we've got all of the winners of those three events with us. We have the wonderful Monarchy. Hello, everybody. You all right? (laughs) Now, you won MX Drag Great Britain. How does that feel? Wow, Velvet. It feels absolutely amazing. Uh, I, it still hasn't really sunk in. And then the other day, somebody turned around to me and said, you won MX Drag Great Britain. And I said, you are. And they <laughs> said, no, you won. And then I thought, oh, do you know what? Yes, I actually did win. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to what the future is going to bring now. But it, yeah, it did take a couple, a little while to sink in. But I think I'm finally there and uh, starting to bask in all the glory. <laughs> And we're also joined by the wonderful Paul Carruthers, who won Mr. Gay Great Britain. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, good, good. Um, yeah, just listening to Monarchy there, it's I'm exactly the same. It still feels really surreal when you're introducing us as winners. I'm like, who? What? Am I on the wrong call? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, does it does it feel a bit weird just being like, oh, it's over now. Oh, I can I can stop worrying about this and that and the other. Oh my god! I mean, the, yeah, the not worrying part is great because it was it was intense, but it kind of ended with a with a bang. It was like right, that was it done. I was straight back to being a dad, back to work. I've started a new job, so it's a bit of a distant memory. But yeah, similar to Monarchy, I was out recently on the gay scene, and I had a couple of people come up to me saying congratulations, and it was just yeah, just really weird, really weird, but amazing. It's an amazing feeling, and all the support that I had is it's yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been a really good roller coaster. Yeah, I've got to say, Paul, it was the sweetest picture ever seeing you with the trophy and the two kids around your mind. Like, I was like, oh, oh, I know. I think my little one, Mason, when he ran out and gave me a hug, I think there was lots of people with tears in their eyes. And yeah, it was it was it was really special. Yeah, I always said I was kind of doing it, doing it for them and, you know, being a role model for them. So, yeah, it was yeah, that was that was really special for me as well. No, it that was it was an absolutely beautiful moment, and I'd had my hand up in the air filming for like three hours, so I was I was sick of my life by that point. And I was like, no, oh, actually, it's still beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we're joined by the wonderful Tim Custers, who won Mister Gay Europe twenty twenty three. What an amazing achievement that is! Like, how are you feeling, Tim? Uh, thank you, guys. I'm feeling amazing. It's been a great. A busy weeks but uh, i'm loving every second of it i mean this is this is nothing new to you really because like the competition was very different for you than it was for monarchy and paul uh, because you had to stay for a full week at annick castle and do loads of challenges through the week you had to you had to do a full week of a competition like how how did you get through that I still don't know. Actually, we were on a in a room with four other contestants, and we were all like a little bit complaining that it was too much, uh, too much pressure. But then we uh, put the heads together, and then we made it work. So all the di- different challenges, all the different tasks, and uh, presenting. But it was an, uh, a memory that I will never forget. I mean, is it? Does it feel like it's over yet, or are you expecting to like wake up tomorrow and have to do some crazy Harry Potter themed <laughs> challenge? 
no, no, no. I, I have the feeling it's over, but I miss all the finalists because we are we are connected uh, for life, I think. Now, I want to talk about the differences in the competition between you all, because obviously I think the Mr. Gay oh. Europe competition was very different to the Great Britain versions. But then even inside the Great Britain versions, you had to do different things because what were the challenges that you had to go through, Monarchy? Um, I think the biggest challenge for me was definitely um, fundraising and feel like I was doing enough for that because as much as I was raising uh, and as much as it was going to amazing causes, I was also very um, pushing myself constantly to to raise more and, uh, you know, it, it didn't ever feel like enough. Um, I'm also not a fashion girly, I wouldn't really call myself. I'm quite lucky that I've got some quite fashionable friends um, who consider themselves models, but really they're just strut around the streets of Teesside, so uh, you could call them prostitutes. Anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> but that was another challenge for me. So I think the main challenge was my own head. Um, it was more about feeling like I was doing enough. And I know that um, Every penny raised makes a difference, but it was the constant of uh, feeling, you know, to do more. And um, once the competition is over, I think it doesn't stop at that. I think you still have to fulfil things and um, continue that type of work ethic to, you know, to give back to other people and raise awareness for charities and other uh, issues going on in the world. It was nice to revisit educating myself on gay history, which is something that I kind of lost touch with for a little while until I started doing the competition again. I kind of took a step back from being too political because I think... Um, even though it is great to be political and I'm a very political person, sometimes you can drive yourself mad if you're always thinking about politics. So it was nice to find uh, a balance. That's a really good thing to actually be able to do um, as an entertainer as well, be able to have different layers to yourself. You know, yeah. have your political side, have your fashion side, have your entertainer, have your charitable like. You know, it is part of being an icon. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I, nowadays, I think drag is very, and I'm going to say nowadays, like I'm bloody 50-year-old, but <laughs> from what I know of drag and the type of old-school drag queens who I associate myself with, I think a lot of the new wave of drag is very political and almost sometimes too much to the point where you cannot um, make people understand your opinion or stance because you're hitting them with the politics straight away. Whereas I think if you take a more gentle approach sometimes and make people who might not be part of the community realise that you're not an alien and you're not that much different to them, then they can get on board with you and support what you're doing, which is exactly what people did with me. When I uh, announced that I was going to be doing the competition, I got in touch with Teesside Live. And Teesside as an area is not always the most accepting place, but it is very, very uh, multicultural. It is very diverse, but it's kind of diverse under a cover, whereas people know it's there, but they choose not to see it. And I'm one of them who uh, will force people to see it. And I always say, if people feel sick, be sick on them um, and let them know that you're never going to change. So that was a thing that I struggled with. And I think for people to see that in Teesside that I was doing this competition, they actually took a step back and thought, oh God, there's a, a boy in a dress and he's doing this and it's not normal and I'm perverted and I'm twisted. And I got all these awful comments. But then I think once people realised, you know, that the charities and the amazing things that, that I was doing as part of this competition, not only because, of course, I wanted to strut about and be a diva, but also, uh, you know, raise money and raise awareness for these incredible charities. Mm. I think people then realise that we can come together and be different, but also raise money and, and, you know, awareness for great causes. You know, what the competition reminded me of, and I said this to Stuart on the phone the other day, was the film Pride, which focused on a little mining town in Wales during the 1980s when the AIDS epidemic uh, was at its height. Um, it was an epidemic, wasn't it? I hope I'm getting English language right. I try to be clever, but I'm actually quite sick, mm. but I think I'm quite <laughs> intelligent in my, in my own way. Um, and, you know, the gays and lesbians support the minors. The gays and lesbians support the minors. But the uh, the minors originally, a lot of them didn't under like the minors. And then there's a very emotional part at the end. And it is a it's based on a true story where they come together at the end and they realise how big power and unity can be when um, two different communities unite. That was a massive part of the competition, though, the, both yeah. the politics and the fundraising. So, because I'm going to talk to you in a bit, Paul, about, like, the politics of it, because obviously that's quite a big thing for you and you've got a lot of uh, experience yeah. <laughs> in it. 
But Paul, I wanted to ask about with the fundraising, this is something I have to bring up with you because how much money did you raise as part of the competition? <laughs> oh, look, it was it was phenomenal in the end, the support that I got. I think um I think when you add gift aid on it was maybe between eight and nine thousand pounds um oh, wow. that I raised. So um, I think it was a it was a big chunk of the total, and everyone did amazing. And as Monique said, every penny counts. But um, going into the competition, you know, I thought, right, I'm going to play to my strengths. And you know, the way that the categories are broken down for those listeners that don't know, the most points is awarded to the charity and the exam. So I thought, right, okay, well, let's let's do what I know I can do. I've previously raised money for charities when I lost my mum to bowel cancer for bowel cancer research so yeah I thought of I'm a cyclist um and I thought right okay well what can I do what can I do that's going to really challenge myself and then I thought I know <laughs> I'm going to hop on my bike and I'm going to cycle from London to Paris and set myself a goal of doing it within 24 hours and yeah and I did it amazing <laughs> it's incredible how, like <laughs> how did you get across the water like Okay, so that part, the, the, that part, the watch is poor. <laughs> I've had that happen to me a lot of times. So we cycled um, from London down to New Haven, um, got on a late night ferry. I think we had four hours on the ferry, very little sleep. I think, yeah, we docked into Dieppe and the coast of France at 4 a.m., you know, cycled straight off the ferry and, and, and go, go, go. We knew time was against us all the time. We actually did it halfway through. We thought, right, you know, sod this. 24 hours is so bloody bullshit and real, unrealistic let's just get there alive with all the crazy french drivers trying to run us off our bikes <laughs> um but when we actually paused and, and got there we did it and it was something like 23 hours 57 minutes and whatever seconds so yeah <laughs> i know i know Talk so about cutting it we were really and and i did it with friends as well it wasn't all me i had some amazing support you know cycling along with me so yeah but that meant a lot to me and then i did up in Newcastle, Bobby's Bar, I didn't. I knew you, you were there, Velvet. I did a, a charity fundraise with loads of amazing drag acts that gave up their time for free, and we raised lots of money that night. And then I also held a pub quiz, LGBT plus themed, in my local area with lots of local community that came along, which was amazing to see, you know, neighbours that I never would have thought would have been there to support anything to do with Mr. Gay Great Britain, but, you know, answering questions on you know, when did Section 28 come in and all that. So that was another fun night. So, yeah, they were the main charity fundraisers that I did. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's incredible. I mean, I was, I, I think on the footage I filmed of the day, you can hear me laughing because it kind of announces, like, because I knew that you'd raised like eight or nine grand and then they announced like the total amount raised by all the contestants. And I'm like, okay, so Paul is like over half of that, you know, like. <laughs> just you alone it's like the amount of the, the sheer yeah. effort that you've put in like i and i think it's great that the both of you like monarchy and paul where you've both played to your strengths in terms of like how you can help and how you can raise money because obviously monarchy you whatever you say you are very well respected in the drag community and you have a lot of people that you called upon like to perform and to help and you had charity nights and you both sort of used your skills to actually raise money and i think that's incredible i mean tim you in your competition you didn't have the fundraising aspect but like is that something that you'd be prepared to do as part of a competition yeah of course i think it's a really good thing that you can raise money for a good cause so uh, i think they should include but i think the reason they didn't include it because in the scandinavian countries it's built like quite differently it's all from mm. the government that gives to the organization so it wasn't fair for them or something like that yeah i mean that 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 makes sense i think but uh you know you had to do a whole different set of challenges though like because obviously I was, I was i was there with you for the full week at annick castle and wow like i was just there as an observer and i was getting tired and yet you're the contestant out of everyone who never complained. You were just like, oh, it's a 10 p.m. finish, is it? Oh, right. You know, like, <laughs> and, you know, and the, the stamina you had was incredible. Oh, thank you so much. I tried my best. Can we go into some of the things that you had to do that week? Because we're going to, I'll yeah, talk later about like the quiz, because all, all three of you had to do an actual, like, I it, was it a quiz or was it a test? But it was basically about 
LGBT rights and history and basically knowing your stuff. Because I think the important thing to say for the listeners is that when you think of Mr. Gay Great Britain or like Mr. Gay Europe, you're thinking it's going to be a beauty pageant. You think that it's going to be, oh, who's the hottest guy who looks best in swimwear kind of thing. And yet that aspect of it, the beauty aspect is like, I think it's mainly thanks to Stuart Hatton Jr., the organizer of Mr. Gay Great Britain, that it's not just about that. It's about the politics. It's about the respect for history. And it's about how you can help the community. Does it feel good that you've won a competition that's judged on so many difficult levels? Yeah, I think it's uh, even more beautiful when you achieve a high place in this kind of competition. And really for Mystic Europe, the team this year was mental health within the LGBTQI. A plus community. So that's a topic that is very crucial and very uh, a good cause to build on it and build com- campaigns and uh, get some experience throughout all the other countries and gain knowledge how we can uh, enter this team and how can we improve, for example. So raising awareness, reducing stigma, foster empathy, and eventually promote resources for the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm. I just want to know, Tim, what, what part of the week did you enjoy the most out of the challenges and which challenge do you think you found the most difficult? Ooh, that's a hard question. I think I really uh, liked the most uh, one that we got the chance to speak in front of the mayor of South Shields and uh, present a speech about our country and what's the status uh, on LGBTQIA plus rights uh, within the country. So I think that one was uh, challenging, but also uh, very fun to do. What I find the least, I think uh, the whole week we had to make all these videos about all the different challenges, and it was actually the biggest challenge, uh, <laughs> I think, because after we finished at 10 or maybe 12 o'clock, then we still had to edit all the videos and make it beautiful. So I think that was the hardest. Wow. No, that was terrifying, Glenn. Like the fact of, because people, the contestants were panicking because they, like they'd done a full day, like a full sort of 8 a.m. to sort of 9 p.m. kind of day. And then they were still expected to edit loads of videos and post on their social medias and stuff. It was, it's, I think a lot of the competition for Mr. Gay Europe is surviving Mr. Gay Europe, you know, (laughs) like not the specific (laughs) challenges. <laughs> but but that's it. But Tim, you 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 were like a dark horse in the competition because like you know it was the idea of you were never complaining, you were never sort of going oh I'm tired or I don't you know or I can't do this kind of thing. You just kind of sat there, you just took everything and smashed it. Which is like you know looking back, I'm like I didn't give you enough credit back then. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you just have to do it. So you can be just positive about it. If you start complaining the whole time, then it will get worse uh, for yourself. So uh, just be positive and you will get through the week. Mm. I mean, Monarchy, uh, Paul, if you had to... Well, actually, Paul, you're thinking about doing Mr. Gay Europe next year, I hear. Uh, Do you think you're... (laughs) Have you you changed your opinion now? (laughs) (laughs) No, look, I think I probably will do Europe. I think it's a great opportunity but I remember arriving um, and actually I got to listen to all of the the delegates do their speech actually at the town hall and it was you know Tim everybody's was was amazing and obviously David you know the last year's Mr Gay Great Britain resonated with me quite a lot with it you know with it talking about England and I just was like totally in awe of each and every one of them and they looked so tight <laughs> when I arrived and I just was like, what the hell? And me and some of the, the Mr. Gay Great Britain guys, we were all saying to each other, do we really want to win this and have to do that next year? <laughs> no, it was really intense, you know, and hats off to you, Tim and all of you. And and I, I, I certainly was there witnessing the sort of going off and doing the video editing at the end of end of long days. And I think they all did an absolutely amazing job. It was it was tough going. A bit of a boot camp really. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. I think it was also like a lesson in lowering standards a little bit because I, I remember a couple of the contestants being like, I, I would usually do a better video than this and I'd spend more time editing, but I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them were like unhappy with what they were had the time to put out but then they had to do it you know it all had to be very quickly edited and posted because we had the deadline on friday 7 p.m i think so russ really uh died <laughs> and how about you monarchy do you think if there was a mx drag europe following the same rules that you would enter 
Yeah, I think it really did challenge me. I get quite uh, anxious, which people don't expect from somebody like me. I do get a lot of anxiety and I, I suffer with that quite a lot in the sense of I'm always thinking, my mind is always whirring, I'm quite um, jittery, I'm quite uncertain at times. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a gobshite, to be quite honest. I, I speak a lot of my mind and you know, and then I worry about things and whatnot. So mm. I think the the competition really drained me in the sense that I didn't really get any sleep at all the night before. Even the night before press day, I didn't really sleep the night before at all. And it was quite... Um, being in drag, as Velvet, you will know, it can be quite physically draining as well when you've mm. got, you know, these um, costumes on and you have to stay smiling, you have to stay waving and you have to... You don't. You cannot let anybody see that pass because um, you know you want to. You want to play up to the crowd and uh, and portray the persona that uh, you've created of yourself. But what I always say is that um, I'm still developing. I still don't know who I am a thousand percent, and I think that is fine. I think there's such a pressure, especially in the gay world and in the drag world to know who you are all the time and we go through not knowing who we are as youths and you know being told to be in boxes and being told to conform to um you know heteronormative society and then once we finally feel like we know ourselves we then come into the the gay world um the queer world and then we are also then told to be put in boxes and i think um you know to to then find refine yourself and uh, a self a journey of self discovery is definitely uh, a, a little mini a mini journey that I went on during this competition and you can also be a, a beacon for other people and a, a pioneer for other people and you know someone relatable so I think I definitely put myself through it again even though that sounds because I've just said that it it was it wasn't negative at all it wasn't a negative type of anxiety it, it was an amazing experience you know Stuart was absolutely lovely as well dead understanding um dead support if everybody was as well paul was like a little beacon of hope so and i know it's cringy and whatnot but everybody was so lovely uh from the likes of you velvet seeing you there ophelia b like the seeing familiar faces pebble dash as well mm. and uh it was it was just lovely i have to give a massive shout out to bella uh, bella b campbell as well who i shared the, the room with the night before and i honestly could not sleep a wink and she stayed up with me and we chatted and you know, I, everything that you could imagine I thought was going to go wrong the next day uh, I was thinking was going to go wrong and it didn't, it didn't happen. But yeah. um, There's so much to keep in hand on the day. There's so much that could go wrong. I mean, like, um, there's oh, I've got so many questions to ask, but uh, like, Paul, you'll know because you had a couple of wardrobe malfunctions with some of your oh outfits. My God. I mean, the fact that I won the runway for, for National when it all went wrong... <laughs> think probably maybe i don't know the, the judges obviously saw what i was trying to do or maybe it was how i then picked it up but for those that didn't know i was freddie mercury i wanted to really you know do a nod to somebody that was an icon definitely one of our first queer icons i mean you just need to look mm. at some of his, his interviews you know he was just so unapologetic with how gay he was and i just i just love that and something that I've been on a journey myself to kind of get to that point. So, yeah, so I, I wanted to make reference to him. And then I wanted a reveal. And it, it was a giant collar that was going to pop up saying protect trans kids. And I was so nervous. And I think backstage, I was building up and building up that when I came out, I went a little bit hyper. Um, and I'm totally blaming Monarchy for giving me Red Bull after our exam. And <laughs> 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 and god knows how many black copies but as i was jumping up and down i stood on my cape and it fell off but you know i was able to pick it up and 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 get veal out that i wanted to and um and the other paul who was in the competition was so great when i went backstage and was having a bit of a, a diva moment Um, he said just go back out now you know instead of going out with the flag just go out and do what you wanted to do so i was able to do it but yeah and then the other one was beach where i was going to do a bit of a um Again, I'm showing my age again, a book fizz moment where I pulled my shorts off um, down to some um, lovely little Union Jack budgie smugglers. Um, and again, they got stuck on my thigh. But I think I think everybody was there cheering. I don't think, again, it's not a beauty contest. I think people were kind of, you know, 
relating to things that go wrong, don't they? And yeah. you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like it's Monica. You'll relate to this, but one of the best bits of advice I have for people doing drag is that the audience don't know what you're actually intending. Yeah. They don't know that there's a reveal. They don't know that you're going to get a flag out. So if it goes wrong, then you just roll with it. It's like, oh, that was totally not going to be a thing anyway. <laughs> you know, moving on. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I do feel like though with um with drag you can literally do anything and people will laugh. And I think that's what it was probably harder for the Mr. Gays. I know as well, Paul, you had a malfunction with your mustache, didn't you? I don't know if you went um <laughs> Yes, yeah. And did you end well you were meant you was weren't you that hot that it wouldn't stick to you? It was melted. So the the Freddie Tash wouldn't stick on me because it was so bloody hot backstage. And then Bella was drawing on a bit of a mascara tash. And again, I was just completely sweating that off. So, but it's just so fast paced. It's just like, okay, it just got to get out of there. It is what it is. It really was. And, you know, getting changed in between as well. Like we were, uh, if anyone has seen the photos, honestly, I was dripping like a knackered fridge. I really was, I was sweating everything off. And I think it was because it was so hot and we were stood for ages beforehand, weren't we? Like, in our costumes before we went out so by the time i was out i was melting honestly but um no paul you you pulled that off well because i know that uh, you had a couple of um malfunctions like kylie if i if kylie wasn't there dressing me then i don't think i would have been out on that runway because i was screaming at kylie and tony and clapping my hands and like honestly i was like a mad woman and they they put me in all my outfits thank god i i genuinely Um, love the fact that you have like two very famous drag queens in my opinion like tony the doll and kylie gender just helping you out put your outfits on Oh yeah, honestly, I can be a diva with Kylie as well, and you know, she if if it wasn't the pageant day, then she would have probably slapped me across her face. But <laughs> you know, they they really did help me, and I was just shouting at Tony as well. I was like, no, it was Kylie shouting at Tony, and I was shouting at Kylie to shout at Tony because I didn't want to shout at Tony. So it was just uh, it was hectic, but it, it worked and it was fun. And if you if you don't see anything, if the audience squint. Um, then they cannot see any problems. Yes, but, um, <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah. the sun was in a lot of people's eyes that day. But uh, Tim, did you have nerves on the day? Because I've got to admit, you are you are a very stoic person, so I couldn't read whether you were nervous. You just kind of got on with everything. But like, were the nerves real for you? Or, like, did you have any wardrobe malfunctions? Uh, no, I did not uh, have any male uh any mistakes with the costume so i was wearing for my national costume i a windmill backpack <laughs> full on windmill working. on your back yeah so it was pretty heavy but it worked so I was i was very glad and the nurse starts with the final when they made the announcement i was really nervous you can see that on every video that was taken hmm. but before i was just um, after after the long week i was just like uh, let's go out here and um yeah, get the runway done, and then we will hear the outcome. Yeah, just just get it over with. You you've, you've yeah. had the week from hell, so let's just get it get it done. Yeah, but the last day last day was uh, really fun, so uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a your national costume was kind of crazy. Like you did have a full windmill on your back. Like, where how did yeah, you come it, up with the idea for it? Was it just na- was it just a natural connection? No, I was thinking, what, what can I do for the Netherlands to represent it best? And I was thinking of the Dallas blue, so the white and blue uh, porcelain, the plates. And then I was thinking, oh, windmills very popular in the Netherlands and for the tourists as well. So maybe we can do something with that. And then I was like, yeah, I couldn't do the outfit uh, without tulips. So I included that as well. And then uh, spoke with the designer and he put it all together and it uh, worked out. uh, So I was really glad. How did you get the costume here? (laughs) So it was all detachable. So all the wings uh, were detachable and it uh, fits perfectly in the suitcase. And then I had to uh, build it myself uh, on Saturday. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I love the idea though that you're just in the dorm room with the other contestants putting a windmill together and they're just like what is going on they were quite surprised yeah Glenn you were saying the other week that you were considering entering Mr Gay Great Britain is that still something that you'd like to do I think so I think I'd give it a go 
Yes, do Just, it. I think what's I think what's made me want to think about it a little bit more is more is because it's with it having more layers to it and that be having the charity side and things like that, um, which kind of makes me more intrigued and think, well, yeah, actually, because you get to do some good deeds and put yourself out there a little bit more, get out of your comfort zone. So it is definitely something. I, I think that's a big thing because it's like a lot of the contestants, especially in Mr. Gay, like Great Britain, were like they were doing it for their own benefit, like to get out there. Like it was wonderful speaking to Stephen and uh, George because George especially like is not a very, he's a very anxious person. He's a very like, you know, introverted person. And doing this competition allowed him to sort of meet new people and, you know, step massively out of his comfort zone. And it's kind of amazing. Like, you know, when we were chatting, I was chatting to him when we were at uh, the town hall, Tim, and stuff about just, you know, he didn't raise the most money out of everyone. He didn't sort of like, you know, do the best in the actual challenges and whatnot. But the just being there was made the competition worthwhile for him. And it was wonderful hearing about it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree working alongside George in the competition his personal growth was amazing and to see him go out there you know on the day on the runways was was amazing I was like a bit of a proud dad really with him and I think a lot of the other guys were um you know from someone who arrived at Presti really shy and and remained shy and and his sort of platform was he'd been terribly bullied you know he, he's spoken about this himself and, you know, I just think it's amazing. Like he was out there like, you know, I've had a really rough time yet. It's affected me, but I'm going to go out there and, and and show them what I've got. And I think, yeah, he did amazing. So I think I think that's what's really great about the competition, that everybody comes with their own with their own reason to enter. Yeah, I mean, because it's the fact, I think the great thing is that he got really big cheers. Like it was just George coming out. He was just in his swimwear. And I loved his swimwear because it was literally what I would wear, you know, like because I don't feel confident going out in a bathing suit or something. And he he's literally just got the, the, the shorts on. He's just got a T-shirt on. And I was just like, I like this. This is, you know. He's very down to earth, George. He's very real. He's not... um I think there was well in the in the pageant <clears throat> community. There's obviously people who play a lot of lip service, and I think with uh, George, he was definitely what you see is what you get, and he was one of my favourites as well. I think he's just and his nana and his mum came down, <laughs> um, and I've actually still been messaging him. He, he was talking about his nail business and stuff like that, and I think it was just absolutely amazing, and the support he got off everybody as well. Mm. Um, all the all the Mr. Gears was just really nice to see because, uh, yeah, it was just just absolutely lovely. Such a real and just an uh, it was refreshing to see that there was you know just a everyday lad. He always cracked me up when he said Rotherham South Yorkshire. <laughs> is it Rotherham South Yorkshire? Is that, is that is that right? South Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, in every sentence, and I just thought he's bloody class because. You know, just dead, like, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, I'm here. And, um, you know, it was really refreshing to see what a lovely, lovely boy. Him, my dad um, had never, he's always dropped me off and taken me to shows and stuff like that and um, being supportive, but he's never, he's, my dad is my biggest fan and he's uh, he's always been supportive from day dot when I was, like, 16 and told him that I'd been doing Dragon Secret and whatnot. But he's never actually seen a show, but he came on his, it was his birthday on the finale day and not only was he um, obviously supporting me, he absolutely loved your, um, your, national outfit he thought it was so clever and you know for my dad who is quite a a man's man he uh just for, for him to be talking about um gay men and such a talking about how clever you all were and you know actually really enjoying it I, it was really nice to hear that uh that my dad had said that and my mum wouldn't um stop saying how uh how much he enjoyed the day so it was just I think that's what it's about, isn't it? And it's it's about networking and meeting other people and um, you know yeah. improving yourself yeah. and people. And that's exactly what um, George did. Yeah. Supporting himself out there, so that was amazing. I mean, what is it? You you did miss a treat, Glenn. It was a really good day. Like, and you had to go to a wedding, or it's some, something equally unimportant. You know? <laughs> I know. I was stuck in a tent in Cumbria with it peeing down. It was. Yeah, I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely something I had to try to get into 
And even if I didn't get in, I definitely, I'll definitely be coming along next year to cheer people on. And to be honest, I, I've I've been completely naive to the competition, and I didn't realize how big it was. Mm. Like I think probably about eight months ago, I was making jokes like, "Yeah, we always see MX Drive, but where's this advertised? How do we get? How do we apply?" And then actually, once you're in, it's like its own little world, really, because it's giant. Once for everything that goes on so yeah it does feel a little bit like it's... a bubble where it's the fact of because you know people keep going like oh velvet you should enter and then i'm just like oh well I, I will when i see a thing pop up about like entries and then just nothing ever comes up until the finalists and i'm just like i i'm following the wrong channels <laughs> you know i need to do something <laughs> but uh it's although that's to be fair, fine well it's all right. I'm already going to talk to Stu, to Stu uh, Hatton for you and uh, tell him just to email you directly when the applications are out. <laughs> it'd be weird, though. It, I don't know. It'd be weird if I entered. But I think if I did enter, I, oh. I'd do it as an excuse to make loads of money for charity. You know, that's the thing that I'd get excited about. That You just go, oh, right, finally, I have this cause I can get behind and I have a reason to be doing all of this stuff. Like, is that how you found it, Monarchy and Paul, where you're just like, finally, I can actually you know i have a reason to do stuff yeah i mean it was it it was a slow burner for me i've kind of thought of myself as being political and and got you know my own views on things and i think entering the competition and, and getting shortlisted i was like okay you know i've got a bit of a voice here um which kind of grew and i found a real passion for the activism and you know i know um the previous winners have done great work but for me you know somebody again that i would look up to as a role model was last year's mr gay great britain winner david i think he just really took the title and ran with it um and when i saw what he had done i thought okay well you know i think i could do this as well um so yeah once i was in it i was like okay yeah let's go for it and the charity as i said was the biggest part for me but the other thing i really wanted to raise awareness for was just protecting trans kids and means a lot to me because that's that's my job that's what i do um and there's this awful negative uneducated narrative out there at the moment about trans kids um mm. and trans people in general um, and i just thought well actually you know yes i'm cisgendered and and i recognize my privilege i'm i'm not trans i've never had gender identity issues but i do work with these people i see the struggles that they've had and if i can sort of help get that voice out there then i'll do it so and that's now that i've won that's kind of one of my aims now over the next year is to try and push a bit more of a positive narrative and get some actual facts out there so yeah it kind of it kind of ignites a fire in you i guess so for both of you thinking of entering i would recommend it fully it was a real journey for me and it really ignited something in me and i know a lot of the other contestants would say the same so yeah do it do it yeah i mean we're talking about igniting a fire in each other but like tim you you were already massively politically active before you started the competition weren't you yeah, I've been advocating about LGBTQI plus rights for a couple of years now. And I did already a, did a campaign for LGBTQI plus couples with the desire to have children. So I did that for almost two years trying to drive change when it comes to surrogacy in the Netherlands, but also in Belgium, because it's not legally uh, arranged, but also adoption. There are only a few countries where, where adoptions is allowed with same-sex couple so it's really important uh, for me as well because I have a partner and he already has two children but uh, a lot of friends surrounding me do have a child wish and but it's really hard for same-sex couples and now for the mental health part I started the campaign be proud be strong be mentally healthy a couple of months ago so as I said bringing awareness reducing stigma foster empathy and also promote resources is my goal for the upcoming year to spread it throughout Europe. Hopefully uh, I can manage it. I didn't realize how different the laws were in different countries regarding surrogacy and adoption. My partner's talking about Spain, like how surrogacy is legal. Which, and I was just like, what? One of the craziest things about being there for Mr. Gay Europe was that part of it, part of their challenges, like on Tuesday, they had a lecture that they had to... Uh, sit through where it was basically you know talking about what gay the state of gay rights in different countries and all the different contestants mm -hmm. talked about the state of rights in their country and 
I was really surprised because it's scary having people like uh, Gabriel and whatnot, like like Gabriel and Kevin just being like, oh, yeah, we can't do these fundamental things that we in Britain like would take for granted. And then realizing that I, I would have assumed that things in the Netherlands were like top of the world practically. And then you, you're pointing out to him like just that there's so much more to do there. Yeah, especially for trans and intersex people in the Netherlands, because once we were in the first place of the ILJ ranking, Remo Index, but now we're in 14th place because we're not mm-hmm. adapting uh, new laws, uh, arranging the same rights as straight people. Wasn't Netherlands like, didn't they have um, same-sex marriage legalized a lot earlier than Britain? Yeah, it was actually the first country in 2001, but... Uh, yeah, a lot can change or not change. Mm. I think that was it. It was what Stephen from uh, Rep- Mr. Gay Island was pointing out was just how much progress was made in a short time and then they just stopped. They just didn't do anything and now they're kind of lagging behind a little bit. And I think a lot of countries got that where they basically, they, they kind of went, oh yeah, we're fine for gay rights now. And then you're like, well, actually, like even in Britain, like uh, I don't know how you feel monarchy and Paul, but like, how a lot of people think that we're slipping behind in terms of gay rights in Britain. No, I yeah. massively agree. Um, I think a bit being on the club scene in Teesside, I, I like, well, I grew up in the middle of nowhere on, in a, a farm type area, like a very countryside area. So it was very conservative um, where I lived and obviously I got picked on in school and stuff like that. But I think we it's two steps forward and then three steps back because people think, you know, that trans kids are the problem, for example, and they're really not. Um, if you are thinking that there are children who are not harming anybody in any way, they're literally what somebody does with their life and it's not harming you and you making an issue with that then you need to take a long look in the mirror and realize that maybe you are the problem you know if you're Mm -hmm. constantly pushing if you think people are pushing their agendas on you for the things that they want to do to themselves and you think that's them pushing that on you and they're pushing their ideologies on you then maybe darling take a look in the mirror but people say it's always so it's in america though it's not in england it's everywhere i think we are going back but I think because we're more visible now, um, it's more noticeable to people. So people are trying to push us more backwards, you know, because people are more unapologetic about who they are. I think it was in a case of when I first started coming out in drag and whatnot four or five years ago, four years ago, it was more, we see you, you're there, we don't accept you, but we're not going to bother you. But now we're being more visible and saying we're not going anywhere and we're gonna, we want these spaces and we want the same rights. That's when people are like, oh, right, now you're irritating us. Yeah. Um, we, we tolerated you before, but now we're not going to tolerate you at all. Something I found is that a lot of you know older gay are getting more conservative and it seems a bit odd oh, yeah. where it's this idea of like because I've had it a couple of times where I've done like a sort of very political like fuck the Tories type sort of performance or number and then I've had yeah. a gay person come up to me being like oh well you know they're doing their best or something and you're like hang on you know like how on earth can oh, you be yeah, gay and support like these kind of people and I think do you reckon there's a level of apathy like guys where there's you know people are like oh well i'm fine i'm able to do all of the things i want to do so let's just not rock the boat at all and just don't want to think about the people that aren't them yeah i I, sorry paul carry on because you know more about that than i do no (laughs) not at all not at all i i I think as somebody 40 plus and growing up during section 28 i recognize you know how far we've come you know look i'm married i've to my husband i've got two boys through adoption you know i'm fairly lucky i go out and live my authentic life i'm completely out open as camp as i want to be um so i recognize we've we've come a long way but i agree i think you know there's there's parts that are going backwards and unfortunately you know the the trans community are taking the butt of all this and you know we need to stand together as a community and you know yeah this this government and and the mainstream media pushing the again this narrative about the trans community being predators um you know and, and children don't know what they're doing but yeah you know i would push on anybody well when did you know you were straight when did yeah. you know you were cisgendered you know why didn't you need time to think about that you know why is that being taken away from from these people and look i mean 0.5 percent of the population are transgender diverse so tiny tiny amount of of our country but yet the media articles i don't know what the percentage is now but 
make up a huge part and they're predominantly negative. So it, it's really difficult to witness um, somebody that, you know, works with trans people and I've got a lot of trans friends. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we need to stick together as a community and not forget, you know, the rights that were afforded to us thanks to our, you know, trans brothers and sisters that were out there at Stonewall and long before that, you know, fighting for the whole community as a whole. And I think we need now to stand behind the queer community and the trans community to, to sort of push push their rights forward. I, I wanted to ask, though, now that the competition's done, because I think a big aspect of why you three won was because the judges were very able to see that you would do something with the win, that you were going to go out and reach and that you'd put this extra effort in. Because I think, uh, I think with a lot of contestants, they were like in the competition and they like the idea of the competition but then you couldn't really imagine them getting in front of people to speak or being you know bringing politics in or you know making this a big part of their life I mean like Tim you were talking before about like how you've already done all of this work you've already set up charities you've already put like you know you've already put yourself out there to political leaders does it feel like the same thing or does it feel like it's on a bigger scale now for you tim uh i think it's on a bigger scale i get a bigger platform to uh yeah get things done hopefully and i'm busy preparing uh, a, a content strategy to actually approach media approach politics and uh trying to get things done I mean, uh, as it kind of hit you, Paul and Monarchy, you know, that you are now an ambassador in your particular field. Paul, do you want to go first, Chick? Because I'm a gobby cow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind. Um, Oh, the pressure. I do, I do, if I'm completely honest, I do feel the pressure and I do feel I've got big shoes to step in from last year's winner, David. But I'm ready to take on the challenge. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, I'm gobby as well, Monarchy. I think I can get out there and probably say, you know, say some things because I know some things um, and I'm really passionate about about it. But I do feel the pressure. And similar to Tim, I'm, I'm busy sort of thinking about what I can do over the next year. And I've contacted Stonewall, Manchester Pride, London Pride about how I can use this title it's a lovely title to have and I got a lovely trophy um but um and I had a lovely photo shoot and everything afterwards but um I would like to I would like to put my stamp on it so similar to when David kind of handed it over to me I'd really like to be in that position next year that I'm handing something over but in all honesty you know I'm a nurse I'm a dad and this is what I am and you know it's not it's not my my skill set but I'm I'm willing to give it a go and, and but, um, I do feel the pressure so I'm sort of asking for any help um with any charities um and if they want me to come on board and use this title then I'm more than happy to do so I mean I think both of you are very good representatives of the community to the wider world. Like like you were saying, Monarchy, the idea of the, the quieter voice sometimes speaks loudest, where it's the fact of like, Paul, whenever you get up in front of people, you're basically like, hey, look, I'm a demonstration that gay marriage works. I'm a demonstration yeah. that gays can be like good parents because you have two wonderful sons, you know, and then Monarchy, you're a wonderful demonstration that you can come from like a working class background and, you know, relate to people on that level and still be queer, still be a drag queen, still be fabulous. Well, it actually might surprise you, Velvet, but I am I'm not actually from a working class background. Teesside is a working class area, but I was brought up very conservatively in the sense of it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, oh, wow. where where I was from. But all the you, people you mean who in a are, bin? <laughs> no. <laughs> just, um, just found in a bin somewhere. <laughs> are you from the posh end of Teesside that voted Tory? No, no, I'm actually not what I'm what, what more what I'm saying is that the voices who I've been brought up by in the drag world have all been from very working class northeast, you know, towns, and it, it is the working class queer voices that have really inspired me and looked after me. And I think that I kind of try. I came on this the gay scene in Middlesbrough. I'd never really been outside of um, the small village I was from, and I was fifteen, sneaking at nightclubs, meeting these incredible um, divas, and then going to school on a Monday. You know, so I'd never really had much interactions or ever seen stuff like that. And then that was what really inspired me to think these people, you know, have massive voices that need to be heard. And I think it was only the other day that me and Penetration were flying for uh, Middlesbrough Pride in Teesside and I turned around to Penny and I said, 
isn't it fab how we haven't had anyone say anything to us all day? You know, um, mm-hmm. we've even though that's sad, a sad thing to say, we've not had anybody say anything to us all day. We've not had any backlash. And then I walk into a, a pub venue in the town and was told that we, they don't allow people like us in there. They don't want to support Pride because we were just flying for the local Pride. Where it's not that type of establishment. They didn't use it in that word. They weren't uh, very educated. <laughs> uh, but they were calling us not very nice words, um, beginning with T. Uh, and other things like that and you know it just really struck a nerve with me to think that after we'd had such a pleasant day and a pleasant interaction from a town mayor that does get a lot of dick you know Middlesbrough isn't the it's not Hollywood it's not the shiniest place it's not whatever it's not the most accepting place but it has a community and it has a really thriving community of really intelligent people and I think it's massively overlooked and that was why I set up my event Lipstick was because when the um, the main gay bar for a club tiny he sadly had to close the doors because of um, things after COVID and whatnot and struggling to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Me and my friend, uh, a black lesbian woman called Leah, I love her with all my heart. She drives me insane, but she is one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Always said the lack of... Um, even though there is a gay scene in Middlesbrough, it doesn't seem to attract a lot of the gay people in Middlesbrough. You know, the trans community, the people of colour, um, mm-hmm. non-binary people, it all seemed to be very... Um, white cisgender males in the 30s who didn't who thought yes because we have acceptance then that's all that really matters and we don't really care about anybody else and that's when we decided to set up lipstick which which is where my politics started to come back in in tune of wanting to um you know give people voices and give people platforms to perform in and you know help you know young little gays who were running around have a little home because that's what um, the gay scene even though I shouldn't have been sneaking out on it when I was younger <laughs> it is what gave me a home and what gave me um, visibility and helped me meet all these incredible people so Paul um, obviously you've um, adopted with your husband and what's what's the journey been like with that and finding safe spaces and communities with other same-sex parents well, my boys now are 12 and 11, and um, we adopted oh, 11 years ago. Um, so um, in the most part, I haven't experienced any direct homophobia. You know, you get the very much patronising, oh, I think you're great, and, you know, everyone means well when they do that. But it's like, look, we just want to be parents. You know, there's one in six adoptions are to same-sex parents now, which is great. Um, and there's lots of children in care systems that need homes. So we, you know, we adopted the boys. And yeah, I mean, there's been various things low key, you know, when you're filling in paperwork, it's like put the mum's name, the dad's name, um, lots of confusion as to, you know, um, I'll go pick the boys up from nursery the first day. And then my husband goes the next day and they're like, okay, what's going on here? Um, that <laughs> I never kind thought of thing. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's just about, uh, you know, awareness and education. So I think in the most part, we've been lucky. You know, my both my boys are now in high school. Um, and I'm aware that, unfortunately, it's just really sad that still, because it was around when I was in school, which was only a couple of years ago, um, you know, where people are called gay for you know in a negative way oh that's so gay and that still happens now so you know there's still there's still work to do but in the most part you know our adoption journey has been free from from homophobia and i'm sure there's probably lots of other stories out there and maybe we're the lucky ones but yeah in the, in the most part it's been absolutely fine and i'm, I'm a staunch supporter of same-sex parents lots of research has come out now about same-sex adoption because a lot of our kids are adults, young adults now, um, and their outcomes um, are, are fantastic. They're doing great, and there's some small research studies out there that show that. So not that I need to be told that, because, look, my life is very boring. I've got two boys that can be little shits at times. It, there's nothing, There's not, I'm not romanticising about it. Me being a dad is no different to anybody else being a dad. Yes, it's wonderful and, and, and shiny and, and gorgeous, but there is times where it's, you know, you've got moody kids and you're dealing with kids that don't want to do their homework and all that kind of shit as well. But, you know, so, the, you know, it's, it, it's just the same as anybody else, you know, and that's how it should be. So I'm pleased it is. Yeah. No, one of the things I've always been like, like, you know, I've had conversations with my partner about things like that. One of the things I always worry about is the managing the social media side of things as well, because like you get some 
adoptions where it's like put nothing on social media but mm. then you're very open with yours with your mm. journey and everything is that something that comes with time or it what? has come with time and it's come with conversations with the boys and conversations as a family as to as to what's out there um and certainly i didn't share as much and you've got you've got to be very careful and i think it's very much down to individual circumstances to what the background is and and you know there's there can be some times where it could be quite dangerous to share information about children so i get that and some parents have to be quite secretive for us it's fine um and it's something that we've agreed on with me trying to have it as a platform to push you know like look we are yeah. out there and we're just we're just normal we're just typical this is not you know and and if you know if we can do it then you should go and do it you know anybody that wants to go and do it there's you know just go and give some of these kids homes it's 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 a great thing and it's probably the most rewarding thing i've ever done carrying on the conversation like tim you're a parent as well because your boyfriend has kids from a previous relationship but i wanted to ask like what for, for both of you paul and tim like what are the reactions that your kids have gotten at things like school knowing you know with other kids knowing they're they've got two dads and stuff like that and other parents like has there been any negativity or whatnot uh that's quite interesting because i have a boy and a girl mm. and for the girl it was all 100 percent good and clear and all the girlfriends uh loved that that she had a gay dad and uh, and a partner and for the boy it was at the beginning was a little bit challenging because he was used to seeing his dad with a woman and um for his uh his friends but then they accepted yeah mm-hmm. almost straight away so it was all uh good eventually how about you paul yeah the, i think because I, again it's what society and uh, puts on to children as we become adults isn't it and i think so for my children who've been you know, their friends have been brought up by seeing my boys with two dads. You know, it's never been a problem. I always remember it was really cute a couple of years ago. One of my boys' friends came around and, and as they walked past one of our wedding pictures went, oh, I wish I had two dads. It's so cool. Um, which was just, you know, just straight out of a kid's mouth, you know, before society or anything else has put anything on them. So, yeah, I think, you know, look, I think we've, we've probably been fairly lucky and you know, I've now got a, a 12 year old who's, you know, moody adolescent um, who, who may be experiencing things at school that he's not telling us. I'm not sure that's something that we'll navigate over the next few years of high school. I'm not naive to think that, you know, he may get some comments. And, we, and, you know, we've hopefully educated both the boys on how to deal with that and to talk to us. But so far, no, we've not had any real obstacles i think it's really interesting um especially like well i'm, I'm an ex-teacher and in one of the classes where um like i taught one of like a village school near me and in one of the classes we had actually um some same-sex parents uh, there was a little go to mums and at one point actually i was the one who bit made the big push to get diversity role models involved with the school um so around pride week we used to bring them in but then it was a bit bizarre because then we had the flip side of having to go through all the lessons with diversity role models of like you know what to cover but then at the end of one of their powerpoints it was so how would you feel if um, a kid in your class had two parents of the same gender or like you know so that's it was phrased along them lines and then we're like um yeah we need to change that because there's a kid who actually does so none of these kids will know the difference (laughs) and i think it's one of them things where when when the kids have just it's just introduced in the class get on with it you know and that's all they've known they're never going to know any different and i think it it does just go to show i think homophobia is taught yeah (laughs) yeah massively I definitely think it's something because because kids don't care like it's the whole all the drama you know the made up drama about like drag queen story time and drag queens with kids and stuff and it's all utter bollocks because every time I've done something like that where you're reading to kids they're just fascinated by the costumes they're, for in my case they're just wondering why this fabulous bald man is reading them a story you know and kids really don't mind and it's only later that they start checking themselves and they start being like oh, let's think too much about this, or is this right, is this wrong? It's it's a shame that society does that and that we still need to move past it. Yeah, I completely agree, Velva. Um, a lot of the people who say we are the villains are actually the ones who are projecting these villainous ideas onto us mm-hmm. and then creating issues themselves, you know. Ooh, 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 ooh,
before we finish, I just want to ask you a bit more about the other contestants in the competition, like your competition, as it were. So I just want to ask each of you, like who you felt was your biggest threat and who you think could have also, like would have also deserved to win. How about you, Paul? Ooh, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You know... I think all the guys, it was interesting. I, d- I don't know how we were shortlisted or, or what happened, but all of us were very different and came with a different reason. I think for me, um, who I thought could do the most with the competition, there was a couple, there was the other Paul, and I really liked what he wanted to do in supporting the queer community and the arts. I think that's something that's quite small and niche, but not really looked into. Mm. But I think the big competition was safe, I think, with his sort of mental health advocate platform. And for me, he was the one to be always. And I know he did great work with his charity. So it was probably no surprise that he came second. You know, it was no surprise to me at all. He was definitely the one that I clocked at the press day and told him. um, And he told me the same, you know, that we were sort of looking at each other and and we were sort of jetting with each other on the day and bring it to the runway. Um, so yeah, it was no surprise that he came second. And, and if I hadn't have, have got it, he would have been a, a worthy winner as well, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's safe. Safe was amazing. Like safe was very much lit up the room when he went in, and you were like, he has such a wonderful presence, and he's such a nice guy. Uh, how about you, Tim? Because obviously, I got to know all of you very well. So yeah, I think uh, David from Great Britain was uh, my biggest yeah mm. opponent, as they say, because he's like this entertainer with a great mission. He's very kind and supportive. So, and I slept also with him in the room, and we had a lot of discussions about the same things and what uh, what we were fighting for. So, I think he. Uh, would have been a worthy winner as well. How about you, Monarchy? I know you've mentioned Ella B. Campbell earlier. Who do you think was your biggest competition? So, yeah, I mentioned Bella and how um, supportive she was of me throughout. Um, but I think for for me personally, it was definitely Mimi. And I think, um, like Paul's just said about Safe, from the press day, I, uh, I noticed her straight away. She's obviously a massive personality. She's very vocal. Um, she knows what she wants and she is determined to get it. She was an inspiration for me for the beginning of the competition. And I actually knew her previously as well from Instagram. She had taught me a dance class as well years and years before when she came down to Middlesbrough. Uh, so it was quite a funny meeting her again because it was a it was a funny time when we first met. It was very, it was something that we laugh about. So yeah, and I think Mimi would have been absolutely worthy. You know, she was the first uh, POC contestant for MX Drag Great Britain. And I think she was a... Uh, she's very political you know and Mimi definitely from the outset portrays you know wears her politics on a sleeve and she uh, her drag is very new wave you know very non-binary and very um gender bendy and you know plays with gender norms and you know it doesn't always have to be so unlike herself out of drag to be drag if you understand what I mean yeah I mean, that's the joy of drag there's no rules to it yeah it's the idea of just keep breaking boundaries well, yeah. no. Um, thank you so much, all three of you, for uh, coming along for this. Now, obviously, because there's a three of you and Stu isn't here, we haven't had time to do a game. So I'm declaring now that usually on this podcast we have a game where we ask questions and whatnot. We're not going to do that this time. We're just going to give all three of you a gold Stu Peter badge. <laughs> which we will post you out sometime in the future, <laughs> which you can <laughs> have with pride for turning up on this bloody podcast. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you, you so much. much. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably the easiest win you've had all year, actually. This. <laughs> Definitely. Is there anything, I'll go to each of you in turn, is there anything that you'd like to promote or say before we finish? Uh, I'll start with you, Paul. Um, I would just want to say, watch this space. I'm going to run with this title. Um, and hopefully as I'm handing over the crown next year, I'll I'll be doing the community proud. And uh, where can people catch you, Paul? So um, I'm, mostly it's Instagram, um, which is Paul underscore CC one, two, three. So most of everything that I'm doing is on there, along with a few little thirsty shots. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Monarchy? Um, I would just like to say to everybody, uh, to believe in yourself, um, 
always believe in yourself and there is a world of acceptance around the corner. When life throws you down, put on your biggest heel and your biggest lash and strut out into the world and let everybody know that you are not going anywhere. And yeah, uh, I, I'm here, there and everywhere. I'm like a bad smell or an STD, so I'll be getting everywhere. Keep your eyes peeled because you'll see me somewhere or another. Stick around to see the other layers to me rather than just um, me mouth. <laughs> That's it. The wonderful onion that is monarchy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how about you, Tim? So I will work very hard to uh, fulfill this uh, big title and uh, you can follow my journey as well on my social media, but also the social media of Mr. Gay Europe. Amazing. No, thank you so much, all three of you. Glenn, is there anything that you'd like to promote or say? Ooh, trying to think. Oh, well, you know, shout out to friends of Dorothy. Uh, they sent us some delightful things to try out uh, from their supplements range. Yep. So a big shout out to them. Uh, look out because we are hoping to be hitting DragCon. Uh, that's going to be at RuPaul's DragCon. That's going to be at the Excel Centre in London. I believe that's the 13th and 14th of January. Is it? Because remember this year when it was really, really early and we were like, oh, yeah, barely went back to work. Bit, <laughs> it's a little bit later this month, which... I think, you know, I'm more likely to be skinned, but oh well. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, you'll be even poorer by the time it is. Yeah, no, wonderful. And as for myself, you can catch me at thevelvetsnatch.com if I ever bloody update it. Uh, and also my Instagram, the Velvet Snatch. But yes, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I suggest that you follow all three of our wonderful guests today because it's been so wonderful and special getting to know them over the course of the respective Mr. Gay MX Drag competitions this year. And we will speak to you on the next episode of Girl. Oh, oh Girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good actually that's i'm out of a job <laughs> goodbye <laughs> oh, 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 oh